Welcome to Tech Intersect. I'm your host, Tanya Evans, and my life and work exist at the heart of law, business, and technology. Yeah, I've earned a few fancy titles and degrees over the years, but the bottom line is I'm a writer, speaker, teacher, and lifelong learner. And I'm really excited that you've joined me on this journey. So what is Tech Intersect? Well, it's authentic, empowering conversations with really interesting guests who demystify complex topics to prepare you for the future, because your future is now. And it exists where law, business, and tech intersect. Get ready to listen, learn, and leverage. Let's get started. Hey, everybody. Welcome to episode 104 on March 1st, 2022, the first day of Women's History Month and, little known fact, the 29th day of Black History Month. (laughs) In this episode, I chat with Morgan Harper, a consumer protection attorney, community organizer, and crypto-friendly candidate running to represent Ohio in the United States Senate in 2022. Morgan holds degrees at some of the country's most well-respected educational institutions, from Tufts to Princeton, and she received her law degree at Stanford. And after law school, she clerked in the U.S. District Court for the Southern District of Ohio, worked as a paralegal at the Federal Trade Commission, and served as a senior advisor at the Consumer Financial Protection Bureau, or the CFPB, under the Obama administration to protect consumers against predatory corporations. Most recently, she was Director of Policy and Advocacy at the American Economic Liberties Project, a nonprofit fighting to break up corporate monopolies where she testified before Congress on the unchecked power of big tech. She's also the co-founder of Columbus Stand Up, a grassroots community organization that mobilized volunteers across central Ohio in response to the pandemic, going door to door, delivering 30,000 masks, driving voters to the polls during the 2020 election, and transporting hundreds of people to their COVID-19 vaccine appointments. Very impressive indeed. So in this conversation, I found Morgan to be focused, crystal clear, informed, passionate, wicked smart, and well-versed on a wide range of the issues that matter most, from climate change to innovations like cryptocurrencies, and certainly to consumer and investor protection. I enjoyed learning more about her positions on crypto and blockchain and consumer and investor protections in particular, and I think you will too. So enjoy this episode. Now, before we hop into the app, please take a moment to follow this podcast and then like, share, and comment so that others who would benefit from this content can find it. Okay, it's time to listen, learn, and leverage. Let's get started. In this episode of Tech Intersect, I am so very excited to welcome Morgan Harper to the show. Morgan is a consumer protection attorney, dedicated community organizer, and has coined the phrase Morganize to connect and lead from the grassroots, not the top down. She's also a crypto-friendly candidate to represent Ohio in the United States Senate in 2022. We will talk about all of that and more in a moment. But first, Morgan, welcome. Thanks so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. I'm so excited to have this conversation. I was so jealous of friend of the show, Laura (laughs) Shin, recently, as I'm a dedicated listener to Unchained. And I listened to your fantastic interview with her and fellow candidate, well, uh, Srina Kirani, 
I want mm-hmm. to make sure I say her name correctly, running for the U.S. House of Reps in California, but you were both yeah. on the show at that time. And I was very struck by your story in particular, your dedication, the issues that are most important to you, which align with my own personal issues as well, and your commitment to community-centric campaigning. And of mm-hmm. course, your interest in crypto assets and how they may serve a role as a matter of economic empowerment. So I want us to continue that conversation here with you. I think the first question I would ask is, given all that's going on in the world and the divisiveness that we find ourselves in, in politics, my father actually is a state representative in Maine. So oh, I cool. know this all too well. Um, And some days I say, why, 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 why? Um, And so I'll ask the same question that I used to ask. I don't ask my father that anymore, but why throw your hat into the political ring at all? And why now? Yeah. I mean, for me, it really just tracks with some early life experiences I had. So I was born here in Columbus, Ohio, given up for adoption. I lived in a foster home when I was a baby and then was adopted and raised by my mom. And, you know, like a lot of people, we went through a lot. And I had that wake up call at age, you know, six or whatever to just how one life or financial shock can potentially change the whole course of your life. And I knew the only reason we made it and were able to restabilize is because I had, you know, even one parent with a stable job. My mom worked in the public school system, which was a union protected job and, and a strong community around us. And I've always been very grateful for the fact that we had, that I had those things It put me in a position to live out my potential. And it's what I want for all of us. And I, I do think that that is the American dream. And we, we've lost a lot of that for many people, especially in the state of Ohio. And, and that's what I think we can get back through having better political representation. I think it's really important that it's so many things, but one, the idea of representation that actually represents the complete swath and the diversity of people, and not just in terms of skin color, even in terms of political affiliation, but when you say all, you literally mean all across the board <laughs> for those who are seniors, those who are young, and how each voice really informs will form your ability as a leader to lead and also just make it for a richer conversation that is inclusive of all. And that certainly is reflected in the issues. I I spent some time at your website to really better understand and unpack the issues that you focus on. Why don't you talk through some of the ones that are at the fore of your mind and how you look at your own platform as the vision for Ohio? Yeah. Well, you know, some of, so some of my issues just have to do with what I believe our political representation needs to look like moving forward. And so, you know, through opportunities in my career, being able to get to Washington, I saw firsthand just how corrupt the system is there and how much money has has infiltrated our national politics. It's at every level, but I would say especially at the national level. And so that's why as a political leader, I'm making a pledge to not take corporate PAC money, which I view as bribes of politicians to mm-hmm. try to stall the policymaking process in our in our legislative branch of government. And that, you know, I'm not going to make a career out of this, that I'm a grassroots candidate. So, you know, anybody who goes to my website will see language around that. And, and that is responsive to what a lot of people in Ohio are looking for leadership that isn't going to be about all of this money and special interests, but just trying to do what's right, solve problems. I think that's what a lot of us can unite around. And then what are those problems? So most of them 
I believe, track to economics. <laughs> you know, we have a lot of people in the state of Ohio, other parts of the country that life just isn't really adding up the cost of living and how much money people are earning through working, owning businesses, et cetera. And that's a, that's a disconnect that, you know, I observed. And when I, I worked in Washington at the Consumer Financial Protection Bureau, and we spent a lot of time focused on bringing relief to consumers. But I noticed that, you know, every time I was coming home to Ohio, it wasn't trickling down into, you know, actually improving the economic situation for a lot of people in our state. And so, uh, that's where, you know, I landed on this realization. We don't have a policy problem. We have a politician problem and our policies mm. need to be better as well. So our platform is about that economic opportunity, guaranteeing opportunity for everyone. I believe in order to do that, we have to be creating a lot more higher paying jobs in sectors of the future, like clean energy. We need to be making sure that we are ensuring everybody has health care. Uh, our current situation that ties that to employment is not fair. It's not yeah. efficient. And uh, and that's left us less healthy and not as economically successful. Medical debt, one of the biggest drivers of debt in our country. And, you know, a lot of other policies, too. But at the core, I'm about guaranteeing opportunity for everyone. And that should be just a baseline standard for us as a country. Absolutely. Um, I wholeheartedly agree. I spent a lot of time thinking about healthcare, particularly in the midst of the pandemic. And the pandemic has just shown a light on so many of the systemic failures and ills that have plagued Americans writ large, but particularly those who, if you are already struggling or at the margins or systemically marginalized in any way, then it compounded exponentially the impact of the current health and economic crisis in this last 18 months going on, I guess, two years. Uh, mm -hmm. What is time in the middle of a pandemic, right? right. <laughs> um, so the, the, the point is very well made. It makes me think, and, and let's take a slight step at least to the side to talk about your background and how uh, your professional background is informing your commitment to really protecting people when you work at mm -hmm. the CFPB and and all of that. So talk about the education that led to you being an attorney and then mm -hmm. the particular type of law that you practice. And then we'll kind of talk how, how that aligns with, with your issues as well. Yeah. You know, and it's been very organic for me. I mean, I, I often am asked about, you know, just, oh, your ideology and label all this. And I've just been on a journey of discovery and understanding. And then the move I make is reflective of that understanding and what I think is going to be the best strategy to get at the goal of ensuring economic opportunity for everyone. Mm -hmm. And, you know, so I, I had a great fortune in many ways to be able to get scholarships, to go to fantastic schools. I went to Tufts University for mm -hmm. college, and that's where I learned there was this thing called public policy. You know, the observations mm -hmm. that I had as a young person I learned in college, this isn't, none of this is an accident. These are decisions being made by people who are in government that then we deal with the impacts of we, the people, right? And, and so right. I need to figure out how to be one of those policymakers, those public policymakers. And I, you know, I went on to school. I got a master's in it, public policy. I became a lawyer, went to Stanford Law School. And it was after that, that I, I worked at the CFPB after the financial foreclosure crisis. And you know, and, and, and mm -hmm. it was a it was a great and formative experience because I grew up in an environment here in Ohio where, you know, though my family wasn't conservative, so to speak, uh, it's a conservative, it's a relatively conservative environment. And certainly, you know, the high school that I went to was pretty conservative. And, you know, a lot of the rhetoric around federal government doesn't 
do anything. It's just a waste of resources, the bureaucracy of it all. And my first exposure mm. to the federal government was after college working at the Federal Trade Commission in Washington. And, mm. and it kind of, it kind of played out for, you know, I was like, oh, maybe they're right. I don't feel like this institution is about meeting <laughs> with urgency to solve problems. You know, it's like maybe these people were, were speaking truth to power, though I was skeptical of it. And it mm. wasn't until you know, I got to CFPB and I was surrounded by people who did feel that urgency and understanding of what was going on at the community level, especially after the financial and foreclosure crisis, and were moving all of their talents and energy to be able to deliver value for people as soon as possible. And right. that to me was an expression of, wow, this is what government can be. It is entirely dependent on who is leading and within and running these institutions about whether or not that vision is realized. And I do think that we are living in the outcome in this, in this era of a pretty concerted effort over my entire adult lifetime of trying to, you know, take away resources from government to, have you know the the confluence of then this money entering our political institutions to further folks' distrust of what government can be or should be, and right. and this is the time for us to really rise up against that and start to reassert value. And that's what the CFPB did. You know, being able to have some concrete stats of twelve billion dollars back to twenty eight million consumers did it solve every single problem that we have as a country? No. But we were very transparent and accountable about what we were doing and how people were benefiting real people. And and that's at the core of starting to rebuild faith in our institutions, which is necessary for us to be a functioning democracy. Absolutely. And maybe every election we say this, that this is the pivotal moment. There's this is a seminal moment. This is a this is a moment in time where history books will write on this stretch of time in particular of being one of the most consequential and pivotal moments. And and so I'm so heartened to know that there are folks like you who are willing to throw their hat in the ring to make a difference. I'm also really excited to hear so often when you hear people reflect on agencies and I, I teach administrative law as well. Mm. And That was my favorite thought, class uh, in law school. <laughs> really? Okay. Well, you get the A for the day. That's very good. I didn't ask her to Yay! say that, audience. Um, she did. <laughs> and it's interesting. I certainly, I went to Howard Law School. I, I took it. Thank you, uh, Professor Worthy at, at Howard University School of Law. And I did well, but I did not at the time fully appreciate how important it is to understand the nature of the administrative state and he out, it comes to be and cabinet level versus independent. And, and so I'm fascinated it as I'm throwing myself back into it to really learn. And there is so much criticism and some rightly so, depending upon the agency and the timing, but the kind of like the, it's almost like the neck break speed, how some agencies can kind of go from one particular policy focus to another, depending upon who the executive is at any given time. And then you have those that kind of stem the tide and hold it down regardless mm -hmm. of it, of the administration. And I'm heartened to know that there are folks at the staff level and at the senior level, particularly at the CFPB, that were really invested in the work that you mentioned. And obviously that carries itself over to your commitment to, to consumer protections in your candidacy as well. It also makes me think, and perhaps this is a good segue into just your interest in cryptocurrencies or crypto assets. There's so many different types, but I know that you took a particular interest in Bitcoin in particular to at least just figure out what this is and the democratizing principles that it may have and the role that it plays in 
economic and social justice. Um, I happen to believe in it, but I'm interested in your journey and your thoughts. Yeah. Well, and I'll, and I'll just add another positive example because, yeah, I, I agree with you. I do think we're at a real crossroads and we have to continue to define examples for people of our institutions serving us well. And so, you know, another positive development to me over the last couple of years in particular is where I first had my exposure to the federal government, to the administrative state was the Federal Trade Commission that now has oh, yes. new leadership that is stepping up and starting to really live out the mission of that agency. And, you know, it, it's telling because what we're, what we're in now is this era of a power struggle. And right. we've had a lot of concentrated power, and this will get, you know, to your direct question, but a lot of concentrated power among the hands of a very few, very large corporations, individuals, and people are starting to push back on that. And so under new leadership, the FTC is starting to lead that charge of making sure that our markets are competitive, fair, necessary for both workers, for businesses of all size to be able to compete. And so, but it, it is not, people are not going to go gently into the night here. I mean, this is a real, <laughs> this is a real battle because yeah, it's, it's about money and it's about power, right? And so to get to your, your original question, you know, in terms of why I'm interested in the crypto space, it's because I have people in Ohio who have been traditionally marginalized and not feeling like the traditional financial system has necessarily served them well, including many Black people, and right. are identifying this as an area of potential opportunity. And so that is my responsibility as a leader to, to listen and learn more and and figure out you know what what is that opportunity and how can it be broadly applied but then also you know of course aware and cognizant of, of risk that's inherent in, in most things and certainly you know same type of lens that i'm applying to the to the crypto space you love listening to podcasts but have you ever thought about starting your own podcast maybe you want to build a brand grow your business or are looking for an excuse to talk about your favorite hobby. Whatever your reason for making a podcast, Buzzsprout is the place to start. Since 2009, Buzzsprout has helped over 300,000 people launch their own podcasts. Buzzsprout walks you step-by-step -step through the whole process and will give you powerful tools to start, grow, and monetize your podcast. Ready to get started? Click the link in the show notes to get our free step-by-step -step guide to starting your podcast today. We hope you're enjoying this edition of Tech Intersect. Our conversation will continue in a moment, but first, a word on an exciting opportunity. If you've tried to figure out crypto, DeFi, and NFTs on your own on YouTube University or Podcast College, and all you have to show for it are a lot of questions, but little of any forward progress, I invite you to visit AdvantageEvans.com to get the answers you've been searching for about how to buy, store, and trade crypto and NFTs, and to access DeFi safely, legally, and confidently. Advantage Evans Academy offers everything from full-service VIP onboarding to prof-guided on-demand and cohort-based courses, as well as an engaging, informative, and supportive membership club, AE Explore Live, for as little as just $1 a day. This club is for you if you want to learn from well-respected crypto education experts, 
like me, transform your relationship with money, generate wealth in the new digital cash economy, create digital ownership streams that lead to generational wealth, learn to bet, buy, store, trade, earn, and sell cryptocurrencies, engage in DeFi to lend and leverage your crypto, create, buy, and trade creative and collectible NFTs, and network with other crypto-curious enthusiasts in an inclusive environment. You'll gain all of that and more in a wonderful community of like-minded, lifelong learners ready to get in and to win. If that sounds like you, join us. Visit AdvantageEvans.com to get immediate access to the resources you need and deserve. That's AdvantageEvans.com. Let's go and let's grow. And now, back to the conversation. Yeah, I approached it in the same way. When I was first cognizant of it, it was in 2017. It was probably just on the precipice of the IC, the initial coin offering boom and bust and a, a lot of speculation, a lot of promise in terms of the build of the underlying technology. You think of distributed ledger technology and how that was going to play a role in the next iteration of the internet. And then you have the assets on the other side. And so much technology tends to be agnostic, although we could have a whole other discussion about the implementation of technology that is otherwise agnostic or colorblind has some real world implications from a discrimination point of view. But let's take it at face value of the technology in and of itself. Mm-hmm. And and I'm, you know, the lawyer and the professor Uh, The educator in me always wants to have this proper calibration between supporting innovation, having a a measured approach about regulation, but you have to protect investors and consumers and Mm -hmm. the technology doesn't exist in a vacuum. So what's the way that we can have really smart, savvy, open-minded leadership at the federal level in particular to figure this out? Because I think that it can be done for the Mm -hmm. benefits that you mentioned, particularly for those who have not traditionally been respected by big business or technology. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know that you care a lot about that as well and kind of breaking up some of the the monopolies that are not serving communities well. So I'm wondering your thoughts about that. Yeah. And, and, and these things don't have to be, uh, you know, either or, right. It's like, we can also continue right. to address what I believe a lot of folks recognize is an issue of concentrated power within the traditional financial markets. It would be great right. to have those markets working better for the average person and in you know ensuring access to capital and all of these things across the board to diverse populations. But then, you know, in the meantime, and this is something where, you know, I I sometimes push back on some of my folks who are also coming from a consumer protection background. It's but in the meantime, we need to recognize where we're at. And in what what people what benefit people are getting from this and what the future is going to look like. And it can't just be a hard no. We don't we're not going to talk about this because there's some risks involved. And so, you know, if we're truly about trying to make sure that we have decentralized power, make sure that we have more economic freedom, then we need to be open minded about all the different ideas that people are putting on the the table that will help us get there. And, And like I said, I mean, this is one that I hear from people in Ohio that there there's interest in. I'm always, you know, trying to just identify interest in both, you know, crypto as an asset, but then also, as you, to your point, the underlying technology generally. And I'm always trying to just identify what are the different use cases, learn more about that, and and then figure out. Hopefully, being in a position of being, you know, a legislator, 
um, mm -hmm. what would be the best approach there as well. I love that you are leaning into just, you know, the realities of where we are, but the potential and the possibility, which is what I'm so excited about too. And managing and mitigating risk, of course, but not throwing out all of the technology because of the potential and in some cases, actual harms, that there's a way to do both. Mm -hmm. And I'm, I'm always encouraged to speak to folks who are running on that platform or already serving in that capacity as well. So tell me what you're most excited about in terms of your candidacy and representing the great state. Is it a commonwealth or a state? It's a state. <laughs> okay, excellent. The great yeah. state. Yeah. I don't want to show my ignorance here. I'm in a commonwealth. You're in a state. Okay, yeah. very good about the great state of Ohio? What's what's really making you excited about, and you're really in the thick of it now when yeah. you think about, about this great run. So talk about that. Yeah, we're under 80 days to go to the primary on May 3rd. So what I'm most excited about does get, you know, back to one of the, the things we've already touched on is we're at a we're at a crossroads here. And, you know, Trumpism, for most people I talk to, Trumpism is not where we believe we want to be headed as a state or you know, a country. Right. And even people who identified or there was something that Donald Trump was putting out there that spoke to them uh, right. are starting to see some of the dangers in that rhetoric and, and that style of politics and how it's led to this division and polarization. And you know, again, I'm always focused on what, what unites us. What do we have in mm -hmm. common? And I do think that there's a genuine frustration out there about a feeling of an economic system that is rigged against us. And Either we're going to go deeper into the realm of that concentrated power that is only serving a few, or we are about to build a future that is truly more democratic, that is truly allowing more access to financial freedom for all sorts of people and, mm -hmm. and decentralizing some of that power. And that is something that is exciting because there's so many people in Ohio that are ready to build that future option and want to believe in something better than, than what we've seen over the past 40 years. And so we just have to move as quickly and as aggressively as we can to find each other, not just vote, mobilize, build, organize, right? And that's the whole Morganize thing. That's one of our themes <laughs> of the campaign. And, you know, and this is something that came up in the discussion I had with Laura, that I think is a message specifically for the crypto community is, you know, we have a lot of people who are talking about this issue that are saying a lot of other things that are not productive, that are not about building that future of freedom, right? And so right. I, I do think that people need to do their diligence and who are they going to be platforming and promoting? And it cannot be enough that they are just okay and on board with one element of what that future that is more free could look like if they are willing right. to strip away other sorts of rights that are so essential to what we hold dear as Americans. And so single issue voting is, is I, I believe, problematic on a number of uh, levels, but you right. know, especially with how this issue is, is playing out politically, it, it's quite, quite dangerous. So I'm really excited about your campaign and I'm glad that we connected. This is the first time, but I'm going to have you back on when we <laughs> have some great party. Yeah, this let's is going do to be it. a party, and then we'll just keep this train rolling. Yeah. So this is the first, but definitely not the last. Please share with the audience how they can learn more about you and your campaign, and and certainly all of your great work. Yes, our website is morganharper.org, and on all social platforms, MH number four OH. So Morgan Harper for Ohio, very accessible. 
DM me, email. Uh, we'd love to, to be in touch and continue to spread the word about what we're building here in Ohio. Morgan, thank you. Thank you, Tanya. Really appreciate it. Thank you so much to Morgan for taking time out from a very busy campaign schedule to share your vision of a better, brighter, greener, safer, and more socially and economically inclusive future for Ohio, but also for the country. Now, listeners, be sure to visit morganharper.org. That's morganharper.org for more information about her campaign. And before we sign off, please take a moment to like, comment, and share this episode and this podcast with your networks. Follow me on social medias and let me know what topics you'd like to hear more of and who you want to hear from. All right, that's all for this episode. Until next time, continue to shine. Stay in touch with host Tanya Evans via your favorite social media on Twitter at at Tech Intersect and on Instagram via the handle Tech Intersect. This podcast has been produced by Stephanie Renee for Soul Sanctuary Incorporated.